Did you see that quote from MBS where he's like, Khashoggi wouldn't even be in the first 1,000 people I would have dismembered and no. named my embassy? <laughs> <laughs> that recognizes that the best way to prove that your country isn't like the repressive, autocratic, censorious regime that is also currently waging an unnecessary war on their neighbors is to make sure that anyone or anything that stinks of their kind is simply no longer welcome in polite society. We may not be sending troops into Ukraine or defending a no-fly zone over major population centers, but you can be damn sure we're not going to listen to no fucking Ruski opera singer at the Met Take that, Vlad. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How are you doing, Lori? Uh. Good. Today is Monday, March the 7th, 2022. Oh, but it's Women's Day Tomorrow. Isn't it Women's Month or something? Oh, double dipping. Also, so here's the thing. International Women's Day. (laughs) So they have day and month. At least they did it. Yeah, March 8th. Look at that. Wouldn't you want to spread them out like Pride? The way that Pride is actually 11 different months? So here's going to be the problem. (laughs) March 8th is the fixed date for International Women's Day, but... It's originally a Russian holiday. Oh, so no. So are we allowed oh, to celebrate boy. it this year? That would be... Look, more, import- <laughs> more importantly, coming up uh, Thursday, March 10th, it's uh, Super Mario Day. And the- That's not actually a thing, is it? Sure it is. M-A-R. M-A-R-1-0 looks like Mario. I don't know that that's more important, but it's as important. Pi Day coming soon? March is good. March is a good month. Yeah, they got that. Full of important days, like Full of International good days. Women's Day Saint, and St. Patrick's Day. Day. And Mario right. and St. Patrick's Day. And the Day. gimmick with the time clock, you know? Not very and important. The gi- no, that's bad. That's a bad thing. <laughs> a lot of car accidents that following Monday. Yeah. Busy bad. month. We should all and apparently something happened on the 15th. You have to be careful. What I like about March. Yeah, the Ides. <laughs> what I like about March is Mike Krzyzewski playing his last home game oh, yeah. at Duke I was and the, getting his ass absolutely <laughs> handed to him. And then as as is just in perfect keeping with the career of Mike Krzyzewski, that he gets up there in front of the, the gathered Duke hordes at the at Cameron Indoor. Many of them paid uh, top dollar uh, to get and in. And he scolds them all, basically, yeah. for for being happy after such an embarrassment. Just the worst sort of human being that Mike Shusevsky is. Not a big fan of Coach K? He's the uh, another perfect example of of who Coach K is deep down inside is when I think it was a it was either an ACC game or maybe a tournament game. I don't I, I actually I think it was a tournament game that somebody scored a late bucket like with time expiring similar to 
a, a similar sort of thing with uh, what's his name at Michigan. Jawan Howard, week. some sort of grieved, like unwritten rule right, kind right. of thing. Right. So la- last week or two weeks ago, now Jawan Howard is uh, he's the head coach of Michigan. <laughs> not for long. And he, that's right, not for long. He's uh, oh, but we'll get to your prediction in a minute. By the way, uh, <laughs> it's a crossover event happening here on the on the podcast. But Jawan Howard, head coach at Michigan. They're playing Wisconsin. They they have some sort of rivalry, I suppose, as yeah. natural Big Michigan Ten. Wisconsin yeah. rivals. Big Ten situation, and the Wisconsin team has a comfortable lead in the closing moments of the game, and the coach of Wisconsin calls an unnecessary okay. timeout. And this is a this is a home game here in Wisconsin. Therefore. Uh, allowing the home crowd to really revel in right. the fact that they're going to beat Michigan, right. right? Just just really yucking it up there at the end, and this rubs Juwan Howard, who it must be said was a, a uh, an alum of the Michigan program, was part of the Fab Five team right. back in the in the nineties, rubs him the wrong way, takes great offense <laughs> at uh, having at being his honor besmirched in such a way, right, and. And says something after the game in the in the handshake line in which he does not do what he is supposed to be doing in the handshake line, which is to shake right, hands. Yeah. He does not give the Wisconsin coach, who I could not tell you his name for uh, a cool million dollars. I couldn't right pick now, him out of a lineup, and I've seen that clip like 20 times. Wisconsin inbounds, and that will do it. Badgers win it 77 to 63. And Juwan Howard not going over immediately to shake hands. Now he's going to get in the line. Interesting finish here. 77. Oh, see, and they're going at it. Oh, yeah. Howard and Guard are not happy right now as the two of them continue to have words. We told you Juwan Howard was not happy about that timeout. Yo! And Juwan Howard just threw a right hand. And now we got a scrum. We have a scrum in Madison. Players are pushing and shoving. This is an ugly scene. This is an ugly scene. Oh, my God. And by the way, for those who have not seen it, you should, because the CBS end of game music is playing as the... (laughs) Yeah, also, for those who haven't seen it, if what you don't like about basketball is the fucking timeouts and the stopping... You have to get past the first few seconds right. of the boring part yeah. of basketball <laughs> in order to watch the exciting part of basketball c- coach fights. Right. Which is the handshake line. In the handshake line, <laughs> Juwan Howard says something like, uh, you know, I won't forget this right. or I'll, we'll, we'll remember this or something like that. But he's like animated this. as he's saying this. Like, it's, he's really... Right, and, and there's, there's, there's various, like, finger pointing <laughs> and faces and that sort of action. And one of the assistant coaches, apparently, for Wisconsin, because it's not the head coach who ends up getting it to the face. Right. It's an assistant Wisconsin coach who, like, puts his hand sort of up maybe on Juwan's chest or something. Right. Kind of saying, like, hey, back off, right. be cool, right. like, relax. And then Howard, full open hand slapped to the face of this guy. In the wake of this, he is suspended because he, he causes this big right. and also, uproar and fury on the court. That open handed slap, like opens up this, like, what could have turned on a tool, like a full-on just melee. I mean, it was kind of headed that way. Thankfully, 
it didn't go past a few seconds of just like people pushing around each other. But it looked like, oh my God, it could be like that Ron Artest thing where it just spills into the right. crowd and then all over a timeout. All because Juwan Howard didn't like that his team was allegedly embarrassed by the fact that the other team called a timeout. Right. Maybe he just game. thinks fucking timeouts are bullshit at the end of basketball games because right. it's boring. Yeah, it's a good thing Juwan Howard had never certainly done anything <laughs> like that right. previously. That's the thing. As a, as a coach. <laughs> he has. They should have, on, on your Coach K front, they should have probably done something similar. Like, we're calling a timeout not to, to kind of take all in this winning that we're doing, but just to celebrate you, Coach, the opposing coach right. who's <laughs> losing, just to see what happens with Coach K. Anyway, that was oh, – and your prediction, by the way, that I heard you make on your other uh, – on the Biffer yeah. where you said you said that they're not firing him right away because it's black it history. Would, yeah, month. the optics will be all it's wrong. It's among the most absurd uh, <laughs> me, imagined <laughs> justifications for a person not losing their job that it must be true, okay. obviously, given this that was you've come up with it. In but. the heart of February, right, this is a fireable offense, right? You can't just – assault people because of a foul and somebody touched you in an obvious like hey let's not escalate beyond this kind of thing he wasn't trying to provoke the coach right he just took that as an excuse a pretext a flimsy pretext for an all-out invasion on that guy's face just slapped him for no reason right so fireball offense slapped him like a cat yeah like a cat batting (laughs) it seemed like he couldn't commit to like what do i want to do like like when a cat wants to knock something off that's the right. table. Yeah, actually, that's it's a, it was like bad at him, but it was below him because he's very. That's tall. pretty accurate, actually. Yeah, it was one of those things. But if they fire him this month of March or after the NCAA tournament ends or whatever, I'll be vindicated, right? You can't then say it was an absurd claim, right? They could have fired him in February, and no, I you said you can't prove that it wasn't because of that. So good job. Definitely getting it fired. Fair enough, I guess. Uh, getting back to Coach K, I think that I didn't even finish the story about my favorite Coach K moment. Oh, yeah. Is I think it's a tournament game, and some kid on like Georgetown or something scores some points in garbage time at the end of the game. Afterwards, in the handshake line, or as the game is wrapping up, Coach K walks up to him and is like, "That wasn't classy, young man. Don't." Don't go scoring. Don't go showing up other people. That's not. That's no way to be a real man or whatever right. it is that Coach K says. I to think people. I remember that. Yeah, he was. And then, at, when asked about it afterwards in the press conference at the end after the game, uh, Shashevsky's like, "No, I didn't say anything like that. whatever I said." But yeah, you know, I didn't say that. that. That's not nothing that I would say. <laughs> whatever I said to him is, I, I told him he played a great game. Blah blah blah. Yeah. It's between me and him. And then the kid uh, <laughs> confirms what the. Recorded audio, in fact, had already right. proven, which is that he told me not to, not to score points in garbage right. time against his team. Right. Anyway, yeah, fuck Coach K. Who cares? Well, he's gone. I don't. What? Uh, cool show, guys. <laughs> what the fuck were we going to talk about tonight? Oh, so many things. Let's pivot to uh, as long as we're on sports. Real quick on Calvin Ridley. What news breaks wrong. today? Yeah. That. The Atlanta Falcons superstar wide receiver, the successor to Julio Jones, who's been traded away and is also very old and past his prime. Calvin Ridley, supposed to be the future of the Falcons offense in important ways, uh, has been suspended for the entire next season. 
cannot ask to be reinstated until this time next year for having gambled on football using one of those uh, those fun gambling apps that I like to use. He bet $1,500. According is, to him. Is what he says. Right, right, right. He went to Florida. He, he took some time off, and his time his personal time off that he took for a, a mental health break at the beginning of November last season coincided with the launch of a sports book in Florida, which has since been disallowed by the Florida Supreme Court. There's there's currently no legal gambling in Florida, but for a three-week period in 2021, <laughs> there was, and that was when professional football player Calvin Ridley started an account with that sports book and, and put a bunch of money on three different parlays, including games that his own team was, uh, was playing in. Right, and he... Included his own team, the Falcons, but who suck. He sucked. wasn't playing in the game. He's not playing in the game. The team sucks, and he's betting. He's including them to win in these goofy parlays, right. which is, I feel like that should be fine. It should be fine to bet on your own team. It, it is a mitigating yeah. circumstance, right? When you're because not playing. He's in not it? in a position to tank. You know, like what if he just yeah. bet against them if and he, he was played betting against his own team in a game he was playing? Right. That shouldn't be allowed. Right, but these are the sorts of things where you're allowed to vote for yourself in an election. Yes, but that's not Same. that's not calling into question I, the integrity of the product on the field. I mean, didn't sure Pete Rose bet on his team to win? Right, he wasn't betting. He he has always maintained right. a, a big chunk of his defense, if you can call it such, right. is that Pete Rose has always said that he only ever bet on the Reds to win. Right. when he was betting on the hard Reds. to verify I that, think but that I'm remembering you said that, and I think that I felt the same way the problem should be allowed to bet on yourself well no because for for example if you're pete rose as coach of the big red machine in the 70s and you know that on say wednesday you're going to bet on your team to win then maybe on monday or tuesday you don't burn that fifth reliever that you might otherwise have maybe you saving your best for the the game that you're betting on to win maybe you're giving extra rest to guys so that on Wednesday, when you know that you've got seventy five hundred dollars or what have you on the big game, right. and that's why, like even if he only ever did it in good faith, and that he never ever bet against his team, and he only ever bet on his team, sort of without any concern for what had happened previously, like even if you, like there's just no way that you can say that it is good for the integrity of the product on the field to allow people directly involved with how that how those but things are Calvin going to Ridley happen. But Calvin Ridley was not directly involved. Right, but he has insider information. He's a guy who's in the locker room. Like, oh, he knows Matty, everything that's going on. It sounds like he was team. not in the locker yeah. room. Okay, but he but the fact that he made bad bets doesn't mitigate the fact that he's betting on the sport that he's a I, participant I think, in. I think you're right. The sentence should be similar, but to me, I think this is a better scenario than had he bet, uh, you know, for his team to yeah. lose and he was p- participating in it because he could be Fucking the team on purpose, like oops, you know, yeah. I got bad hands today, you know, obvious catches and things like yeah. that. He, I mean, it's very stupid that he bet on the Falcon. I mean, he did a lot of stupid things, but right. And to be clear, it's just against the rules. You're, yeah. If you're an oh, yeah. NFL player, yeah. you're sure. not allowed to bet on fucking sports. What are you thinking? No wiggle room there. Yeah. Can you bet on any other sports? I don't know what's in there. I don't know if he's allowed to bet on baseball or. I bet would on imagine that they wouldn't care, right? I mean. If you lived in a, if he lived like they have, uh, what the the Oakland Raiders in Las Vegas, right? And right. so it's legal to bet there. Yeah, sure. 
and there's probably some some people who will who no doubt actually now that this story is four hours old i'm sure that it's gone through the entire twitter take cycle right. although i have not been following it but i'm sure that there are people talking about the hypocrisy of the whole thing and the fact that I, oh so the nfl wants to move a team into vegas and sell uh make us watch a billion DraftKings and FanDuel ads but now they want to punish somebody for having uh, participated in the fun that they're selling right do you think I'm sure that's already made its way around. Do you think the year-long sentence is as a deterrence to other pe- because of the relationship they have all, with all of these apps, all of these, all of this gambling? They're basically they've kind of adopted into their coverage, right? If you watch the NFL Network or ESPN, they now feature the 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 spread and they talk directly about the gambling aspect of the sport. In the past, you know. It would be very tongue in the past. In, in the past, where, Al Michaels, yeah. Al Michaels would make very vague references yeah. to the idea that oh, there's some folks out there that are still tuned into this one. This one's still interesting for some of you out there. I know, right? So, but now, yeah, it's it's absolutely central to the product. And one of the concerns some people raised when they were getting in bed with all of these betting apps is that this is going to be inevitable. You're going to have players getting caught doing exactly this. Uh, right. And so maybe they're thinking this is the first time it's happened, and it's like a relatively high-profile name. I mean, it's not like some O lineman for like some random team, right? For the Jaguars, right? It's like a receiver. Right. If this was so, if this was man number fifty-two on the fifty-three man roster, right? You can imagine him just being banned for life. Yeah. Like we're just in order to have the same impact in terms of trying to convince people. Like, like it's hard to imagine Calvin Ridley being immediately banned from the sport for life. Right. But like a year suspension in the absolute prime of his career is is not good for him certainly and you would think it will have a major impact on these all these other idiots but i think this is going to be sort of like an enormous problem i think that it's going to be a problem because there will be like family members and cousins and friends and like this is the sort like there i read something like in the first six months or something that new york had legalized gambling in excess of like a million and a half people had signed up on one of these two or three different apps wow. or something like that. Like that's a huge percentage of the like normal everyday public, right? Like 10 per- if 10% of the population is ad- adopting this technology or this this service within months of it being legalized, this is going to be a huge part of the cultural conversation going forward. And you think that like Pat, Pat Mahomes' brother, who's like an idiot yeah. who gets himself yep. involved in a million different things on social media anyway, right. there aren't going to be a dozen or a hundred of these sorts of things happening with every team across the league over the next few no, years? No, that's true. Now, I imagine those million plus or whomever, at least early on, these are existing gamblers that were betting through offshore like website accounts right i i can't imagine these well, are like but then there are people like me who, who would bet do such a just thing? like last year on the super bowl because it was it was like the crazy incentive it was like five dollars to win three hundred dollars oh, or yeah. something like right, so i wonder they run all these promotions. i think there will be a drop off rather than some sort of exponential climb like everyone signs up at once and then that's it right yeah i'm not saying that it will be i don't think that there will be like half of all Americans or something are going to no, be betting on football grow. games. It's but there will be a substantial be portion of the country that just does this as part of their everyday thing. And you understand why. You pick the thing up and you look, and it's just a video game that you can play right. in your hands. And it's as happening the game really is going boring on. video game. Right. 
It's not. You watch the numbers go up and the numbers go down. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> thrilling. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that they built, you know, the palaces in Vegas didn't build themselves. That's you know? true. Yeah. But do, do you, so you don't think this year-long uh, sentence, which seems fairly stiff, but understandable, you don't think this is going to be a deterrent? People are going to just say, if I It should be a deterrent. I think it. they mean it to act as a deterrent. And at the same time, I don't think that this is certainly not the last that we're going to hear of this sort of what's, thing. What's strange is that, I mean, you, ha you have to take his word for it, I guess. I don't think he only bet $1,500, but I think it's in that realm. Like, I don't think he's betting, like, Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan are known to where they put all this money on these goofy things, right? So it's in the thousands of dollars, I assume. Let's say 10000 40000 whatever. So right. these are not— so he, was just, he was just having fun, presumably. Right, right. Yeah. So just— he made very stupid bets. It must yeah, be said, eighteen but. parlays. Come on, that's uh, that's something Bob would do, not uh, <laughs> this guy. But it is odd that these players are getting millions of dollars to play the game, right? So I think that the year-long suspension, and you look at it, it's like, okay, I bet fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars or whatever, and now I'm out eleven million dollars, and so maybe the high highly paid players won't do it. I suspect it'll be like you, you described a, a second ago where it could be through family and friends that do the right. uh, the betting for them just so their names are not associated with it. And I don't know if the NFL would ever go so far as to say, not only can you not bet, but like all like next of kin and like college buddies or, you know, like you, you can. Yeah, they, that's, but everyone's connected to everyone. Right. So. Yeah, but yeah. You, it's just not hard to imagine where we have to, we read these stories about future NFL tribunals and it, they're producing text message exchanges between <laughs> X player and his, and his idiot cousin. Right. Right. And it's like, give me 1500 on whatever. Okay. You know? That's why you do phone calls. That's why you don't text That's right. Talk on the phone. It's on the record. Way better. All right. Let's, uh, let's move to the news of the week. I want to play from this week's CBS News' Face the Nation. This is our boy, Mark Strassman. Oh, so we'll play a, play a little, uh, what the fuck is the name of my did game? Did Mark Strassman get up oh, and yeah. get, did, a, get did, off a Did Mark Strassman get off a good one? I'll have the the proper production uh, inserted here, I'm sure. You don't have sure. to say that. You can just do I, that. I do, though. I need to say it. It's now time for America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News's senior national correspondent, get off a good one? From this weekend, Mark Strassman, on, on some good news happening in America with regards to the COVID pandemic. There was some good news this week. Progress at home battling COVID. There are some hints that life might be returning to something resembling normal. CBS News senior national correspondent Mark Strassman reports. When the only mask in sight is a Mardi Gras costume, you know something's changed. It's like your soul re-entering your body. It feels good to be back. Starting tomorrow in New York. We are winning. So let's celebrate the win. One of America's first cities to impose a mask mandate in public spaces will lift it. Starting Monday, New Jersey ends mandatory masking in schools. California, Oregon, and Washington State will do the same next week. Only one state, Hawaii, has yet to announce when its mask mandate goes away. For me, just like for you, it feels like 10 years instead of two years. The NFL dropped all its COVID protocols, the first major professional sport to do that. That's because COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths 
all down dramatically. And a general sense that, finally, we've got the virus under control, rather than the other way around. Under the CDC's new metric, more than 90% of Americans live in counties with low or medium COVID risk. And a big reason is vaccinations. Three-fourths of adults now have theirs. Another booster, with COVID cases down, the labor market's up. Nearly 700,000 jobs added last month. 90% of jobs lost during the pandemic have returned. The economy is really going to be booming as we get out of this Omicron wave. But COVID always comes with a caveat. Health officials warn the pandemic is hardly over. As threats go, Omicron may not be the Omega. Another <laughs> variant is possible. And children under five are especially vulnerable. But overall, in unmasked America, we're breathing easier. Children right. under five are vulnerable in the sense that they're not yet eligible for the vaccine, but they're not actually. I'm glad. I'm glad you picked up on that there at the end. In the, in the midst of his, I mean, he tries like there are at least five instances of him trying to get off a good one in that report. There's just little sprinkles of good he's, ones. He's he's trying. Uh, before we move on, Abe, did Mark Strassman this weekend on Face the Nation get off a good one? No, I, I did like the uh, Omicron is not Omega, but no. Ooh, sorry, Mark. Yeah. Try again next time. Now, on to that very last thing that he says, which is that children under five are... I've, Especially vulnerable or some variation Espe Something of that. like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll play it again here right. at the end, but he says something... And children under five are especially vulnerable. At the end there, about children being especially or uniquely vulnerable to this virus. And that got me... That 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 prickled the ears or what have you, and I I wanted to once again for like the fifth time that I've done this. Seriously, you could just not dig into the child mortality <laughs> stuff when it comes to COVID nineteen, and there's absolutely no justification for him saying those words out loud to a national audience. In like, there's there's no way to massage any of the actual facts about coronavirus into something approaching him being allowed to say that in uh, to, to two and a half million people or whatever the number is. I, I assume that... And I, and I don't know why his editors allow it right. to happen. I don't know why it's become such a piece of conventional wisdom. I'm not mad at, at Strassman for it, but it should just it's just a complete fucking fabrication. And I don't know why it's allowed to be said that way and to make the point clear the total number of all deaths for zero this zero to 17 age is 865 this is from the cdc i'm not pulling this from some goofy website cdc says fewer than 900 deaths for children age zero to 17 and if you go in this entire two-year stretch yes 2020 to 2022 <laughs> 865, and if you, and all cause deaths are 72,039, right? So in, in the just over two years that this has been going on, 72,000 children under the age of 18 have died. 865 of them have died of COVID. If you look, if you break the numbers down further, you can look at the zero to four age group. And now this is as of last week. This is as of uh, the the 2nd of March, 2022. 307 children 
are considered COVID-19 deaths. And that's COVID-involved, right? So does not explain precisely, and that's not to question right. whether or not these children actually died of COVID or, or whatever, but maybe they had pneumonia and also COVID. They had the flu and also COVID. They had diabetes and obesity and also COVID, right? All of these things, right. fine. But from zero to four years, which is the age group that he says at the end of that report is uniquely vulnerable or especially vulnerable to COVID, Presumably, as you're saying, because they can't get the vaccine yet, right. only 307 of them have died in this entire time. And that, it's not to say that it's nothing, but to say that it's some sort of special risk right. is just a lie. Right. And if, if you go with the bigger number, the 865 total number since this started for the under 18 group, I'm going to read some numbers here, and I apologize for that. But the, the percentage of the total dead... Right. So I was able to look at the CDC list of just the total number of deaths in America in the last few years. Right. So fun, fun, fun. Starting in. Tw right. It's just fun. <laughs> it's a fun list of all of the dead Americans starting in 2020 through last week or whatever. There have been seven million, almost seven million, three hundred thousand deaths in this country. Wow. Right. Big number. So, yeah, but that's about right. Something like. You know, two million people die a year or something like that. So seven and a half million deaths. And then you break it down by age group. Of those deaths, 1.2% of children under 18 died with COVID. It's classified as a COVID-involved death. Right. Of the dead, of the dead children, 1.2%. Of the dead 18 to 29-year-olds in the last two years, 4.3%, mm -hmm. okay. right? So that's like triple the number of children under 18 right right of of the dead 30 to 39 year olds eight and a half percent were covid involved 40 to 49 13 and a half percent 50 to 64 14 and a half percent the highest number is 65 to 74 14.52 percent and then it goes back down for 75 to 84 13.76 percent 85 plus 11.64 percent none of those numbers are 1.2%, which is by far and away right. the smallest percentage of uh, COVID-involved death of the, of the different age ranges that you can break this thing down into. To say nothing of the fact that the vaccine for children under the age of 12 has been shown functionally to not work. That it showed that it gave a, a something like 10, that New York Times thing that we talked about last, at the end of last week's show, it offers something like 10% right. protection against infection, against the Omicron uh, variant, which means it functionally it, it wouldn't be worth handing out. Right. right? It, it offers that little protection that it doesn't matter, given the fact that nobody under that age group in any sort of meaningful number, gets a serious case of this virus. So I don't understand why, two years into this, it's still important or it's incumbent upon the media to be saying the sort of sentences that only strike fear into people unnecessarily, right? right? You, I, I can't think of another reason why he would say that because it's not true. There, mu there must be something we're overlooking in this calculation that they're making because it's not just Strassman or like the media and and I'm not sure if Strassman and, and the like they run it by not only their editors but like a health person in their news department to say yay or nay I don't know what their process is before they broadcast the segment but it's not just the media because like I think um, I don't know if it's still current information but 
uh, that New York City Mayor Adams uh, lifted basically all the the mandates. I think it was covered in the in the segment that Strassman did, but the mask requirement for children five and under remains in effect, right? So basically. They are also children. Children who do not do a good job wearing the mask, right? right? Ch- so, so especially at that age, getting them to properly wear a KN95 mask is a complete loser's game. It just cannot be done. Right. So, the decision there is if it's if it's not based in any sort of like num, you know, if you look at the numbers, they're the least vulnerable group of all the different age groups that you can look at. The number of people who have died is very, I mean, relatively small. And so then why keep up with the, well, since they are not eligible for the vaccine, we'll keep the masks in place. Is it just simply to make parents feel more comfortable? Because I always go back to that. Is it like, there's nothing that you can point to to say that they're being protected by something. So they're like, well, that something will be the mask. Because for adults you have, or six and over, uh, they have the vaccine and most people have taken the vaccine and they should be good with as low or medium level of spread that the CDC has come up with, but they can't point to anything with those five and under. And so they have to fall back to something. Is it just simply that where it's like, we have to have some reason why we get rid of it for them because there's no, it must be some sort of just rationalization of everything that we've done over the last two years it must, in order for it to have been worth it, we must continue it in some way. Right. We cannot just confront all of the data and say, oh, it turns out we shouldn't have closed schools anywhere when we did this. Right. That we didn't do this for the protection of children. We did this for the protection of the teachers' union. That it would have been far better to bring all of the children to school, let them do their thing, and then zoom the teachers in, right? right? <laughs> that you have a minimal staff on hand who's in charge of making sure the building doesn't fucking burn down. But otherwise, we could have actually saved a lot of problems in our society at large in, t- in terms of the fact that so many women, right, r- were relatively over-impacted right. by job loss because they had to stay home with kids, yeah. because the, the economy hit the shitter. I mean, the stock market was fine, but the economy took great... Uh, hits in terms of productivity in 2020 all of that was just sort of a mistake and it was a well-intentioned mistake but we can't even admit that it was a well-intentioned mistake this deep into the pandemic and and it why why can't we because you know and you're right on that but like remember because people don't admit mistakes but remember the beginning period where people were like, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to disinfect the products that I buy from the store. Like, I don't think a lot of people did this, but there are still some people that are like, we don't know how this spreads and maybe it sticks on your milk carton or whatever. And then so clean that uh, before you bring it to the house or all these goofy things people were doing, but people got rid of all of those habits quickly when it was like, no, no, this is not how it spreads. So that's fine. Like, you would think that people would be able to do a simple calibration with other things too, to say, oh, it turns out that wasn't as big of an issue for this age group, and so we can just cut on that. You know, no one's going to be made to feel like they were idiots for doing it in the first place because the well intentions behind it, when you don't know, you, you, you're more cautious. And the more you know, then you're more precise in what you do. No, it is, because all the people from the beginning who were saying coronavirus isn't real what are you people doing that makes them right right but even though they would and be you don't wrong, want them to be right it would give the appearance that they're right but they would be wrong right so it seems like they're just trying to because 
it's still real, but it's not impacting this group of people as much. And so for this group, we don't have to follow the same procedures as we do for the old geezers. Uh, it wouldn't right. vindicate like people who were just being dismissive of it, but yeah, it would give the appearance like oh, but it, it but yeah, it but it does matter. make people feel that In the, in feel the that fucking way. comment right. thread, yeah. it absolutely does it vindicate. Does. Them, right, that's right? why like, you <laughs> can't admit that you were just a little bit wrong. People can't do that. Yeah. I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that these people are justifying a lot of what they did out of some sort of out of love, right? Out of wanting to protect their children right. and wanting to protect the children writ large, like not just their children but all children, right. and that somehow admitting that the thing that we did was wrong and maybe ultimately had more harm than not ever doing the thing. That That's a hard thing to try to deal with. Right. And I think that if we can draw it out to the point where we never have to admit that the mistakes were made right. and instead it just goes away without us, then then they think that that will have been a, a better outcome. Right. And it, it neglects the fact that by never admitting the mistake, by never even saying that it was, it was overcautious, but it was well-intentioned, by never admitting even the well-intentioned mistake, you've arguably permanently lost a whole bunch of people who in the future... Those were lost anyway. You were hoping would, would want to rely on your expertise or your your institutional authority and it may just never be coming back maybe all of this is just saving face on on either side maybe people haven't given up that this is not real thing because to do so they would have egg on their face maybe there should be every day is a day apparently right there should be like an amnesty day like or you're wrong day where both sides come in write down three things we're wrong about and then make the announcement that together so it'll prop up so no one's uh, ashamed because uh, you were wrong about these three things and I was wrong about these three things and now we can move on and no one looks the worst. Maybe there needs to be some sort of truth on that front because a lot of people yeah. are maintaining things that Organize are clearly that. not real. Start that. Good luck with that. Start that hashtag. You would probably need like some sort of mediator that like make sure that no one can admits anything yet and they kind of go back and forth negotiating what are you willing to concede? No, that's not strong enough. You know, you got to make it equal. <laughs> And then when you yeah. get the maybe they can have the yeah something to that effect. I also looked at I also looked at excess mortality because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing anything and I did, I stumbled upon something interesting which is that throughout the entire pandemic when we got to from like March until July until the second or third week in July of 2021 that was the only time during the entire pandemic that excess mortality dropped below expected numbers what's excess mortality so you can figure out that this number of people should have died in mm -hmm. this given time frame barring strange circumstances right barring uh a quarter million people dying because yeah, of okay. a tsunami at yeah. christmas time and sure and this is like so they're just looking like at I'm, now that i know what that life is life expectancy and like other considerations like who should be coming yeah. off the Living roles, so to speak. Right, just the okay. normal, the like normal human churn. Basically, and stuff? you can calculate. Okay. If we have had too many people die, and it was looking at the chart, it was interesting that at the time that Abe was making his prediction about the pandemic <laughs> being over, <laughs> we were in fact getting back to like, a normal amount of death. Like crystal ball. Wait, 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 as compared to what? What was it before that? So throughout the entire pandemic, starting in like March or yeah. April, you can see that the number of deaths exceeds what is to be expected. Got it. Okay. And that continues every month, every week, basically. Until Abe declares it For over. the entire pandemic, with the <laughs> exception of from March to July 
of 21, which is, and then Delta happens, and we shoot right back up over yeah. expected deaths. And we're still sort of there. We're, we're, we're coming back. The most recent number, I think it's, I think that they update this weekly. They do. The most recent number has us well below. And that could be an outlier week. It could just be a strange week where n- nobody fucking died. But we're, we're coming back in line with a normal amount of death, which makes sense, as that you would expect, sense. with cases coming dramatically down very quickly. But whatever. The point is that I was looking specifically for excess mortality in children because that number is so small, that one point whatever percent that it is. It's 300-something kids under 5, and it's 800 kids under 18. This is from UNICEF, and this was after basically all of 2020, so it doesn't necessarily include the Delta surge. But importantly, this is a quote from their report, importantly, excess mortality analysis considers all deaths that have occurred in a specific time and place and thus should capture both direct COVID-19 deaths and any indirect deaths resulting from pandemic-related disruptions. So they're saying we can find all of the COVID deaths in this number, and we can also find all of the weird extra deaths that shouldn't be happening but are happening because of the pandemic mitigation efforts that we're taking, right? right? It should, in theory, give you a total picture of how much death is being immediately caused by this virus and what we're doing to combat it. Quote, That analysis, which included empirical data on mortality in 2020 from more than 80 countries and areas, found no evidence of of significant excess mortality among those under age 25 for 2020. So this report looks at anybody under the age of 25 and found no excess mortality for people in that age cohort. Just completing the circle on Strassman's claim that this is somehow uniquely or especially concerning for uh, young children or parents of young children, it's just a complete fabrication. And it, we, should, we should stop listening to people who say that we need to be extra concerned uh, because of the children. You know, already, you know, with the revised guidelines, a lot of locations, counties, whatever, fall in the low to medium level of transmission, which is like acceptable enough to where the CDC says you can, you, you can choose to wear a mask or not, right? So basically it's not like highly recommend um, mandate or anything like that right and so for kids that are five and under they're i mean they basically have no other path right i mean is the only path to where they can also get rid of the mask is when whenever they approve a vaccine because that seems like it's a pretty high standard to have because currently it's already in many locations low the level of spread Right, based on the revised right. guidelines. And we're well past the idea that we're ever going to come close to having a good vaccine for kids that, like, right? Because they're not, like, they're not going to approve another vaccine. It's going to be years, right? Because now it's not effective, they... and then again, they're not in the high risk groups. So, like, what's the off ramp for five and under if those two paths? I mean, you can't get lower than low, right? So, if you're in a county that's already at low, the lowest of the levels, and there's no prospect for a vaccine for the kids in the near future. There's no, like, okay, on this day, we're going to get rid of the mask for these kids, right? There's no... Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea how they can, how they'll be able to justify it, that that it no longer makes sense for young kids to be in masks, because it already doesn't make sense <laughs> for kids to be in masks. Whatever. I don't, I don't care. I don't want to focus any more on the pandemic than we have okay. so far tonight, so we can move on. I just, I found that from Strassman 
just completely unacceptable. And it's not, again, as usual with him, he's just, he represents a much larger slice of the American media. And, and there's just no reason to listen to any more of this nonsense about how young children are particularly exposed to the virus because they can't get the vaccine, a vaccine that doesn't work and doesn't need to work in them because it's fine. Overwhelmingly, it's fine if they get the virus. Do we want to add anything to uh, CIB's extensive and professional war coverage? <laughs> Abe, you got any any thoughts on what's going on in Ukraine and Russia this week? No, I mean, not in Ukraine, although it seems like I don't know what to expect because this was somewhat of a surprise despite, despite all of the intelligence saying that they were going to do this. But, like, I don't know, was this supposed to be a two-week war, a two-month war, a six – like – what, what was the expectation going in? Because initially, I, people were saying there are clear advantages with the Russian military, and they should not necessarily make quick work of Ukraine, but like further. I imagine by now they would be further along, um, and instead they seem to be like they're either stalled or they're resorting to these uh, war crime like tactics because I guess their plan A wasn't working or is well, not working. Well, these like passages to freedom that go directly to the Google. Right. Yeah. Basically, like, yeah. All of the shenanigans the that fuck? they're doing, where they're. We ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to Russia's ability to actually win this war if they need to win this war, right? Like, there's no question that if they need to, they can. But winning fully... is not like just destroying the whole country, right? I, I imagine they want to install some puppet person and then they'll just say oh the war's over yeah and that's why i think that a lot of the coverage and and setting aside all the stuff you see on social media which can i think that most of what you see on social media when it comes to this war you can you should be incredibly suspicious of at this point and also if you hear anybody telling you about what putin's plan was or what russia was hoping to do or any of that shit that can be entirely ignored we have no idea what the plan was. We have no idea if there was six months of planning that went into this and it was well thought out and that things are going relatively according to plan from their perspective. Because on the one hand, you can imagine this being one way of doing it, right? Just sort of slowly uh, bleeding resistance dry. And it's and it's not even that slow. We're not even three weeks into this right. yet. It's, it's something that can go on for an incredibly long time. If you look at... Uh, literally any other conflict that Russia has been involved in in recent years or that we have been involved in in recent years. These things can go on indefinitely. Right, but could I can't, again, I mean, like you said, no one really knows, but I can't imagine that this is their plan. This seems like a terrible progression of things for, for Russia. I mean, it's terrible for Ukraine also, but like it, it seems like Ukraine is getting funding and resources from the west and so they can drag this out for a long period of time like would russia be able to survive like a years-long war like three four years of this and well but so that, and that's the that's the only interesting question is because we know that putin cannot abide a loss how does he get a win right <laughs> because, so, yeah so, so one of the one of the things that goes around is is there any way out of this for putin that's not uh in a box right or is there any way for putin to maintain his position as the leader of russia but also not take over ukraine right is there any way diplomatically out of this and 
Uh, it's not obviously. There's no way to see the future, and it it doesn't seem like it at this I, point. I imagine best case scenario was overwhelm Ukraine's military posture and basically kind of like a shock and awe, just take over. Ukraine can't withstand the pressure, and you know after a few weeks it it's over. It didn't seem to be trending that way. So in order for him to save face, it would have to be assassinate Zelensky and then have some puppet person lay claim to the authority, and then they can just use that as a pretext to leave, to say, okay, uh, the eastern breakaway places have been recognized, all the nonsense that they've been talking about, like uh, the uh, precursors to like a ceasefire and and, and uh, end of military hostilities. Like It would have to be something along those right, lines. So- in, ter- in terms of alleged actual hard news that we've seen this last couple days, it's a meeting between Zelensky and Putin. Or at but, like, their- to talk about what? To talk about terms of a peaceful end to this and what the alleged terms were. There were. Please don't do this anymore? Right, so Russia's demands basically were Ukraine needs to recognize that the two breakaway republics are independent and will become independent republics out there in the Donbass region. Further, they will promise never to enter into any uh, entangling alliances with the West, basically. They will never join NATO or the European Union, which is fascinating that you would maintain that not only can you not join NATO, but you can't enter into economic union with, with the Europeans. Like, I, I get the NATO thing, but further pushing that you're not allowed into the EU is interesting. And then also, uh, Zelensky can stay president, but Putin gets to install a prime minister or something like right. that as a as a secondary thing. I think those are the three main conditions, uh, all of which Ukraine says are, are no-goes. I mean, basically, full capitulation and we'll end this. It's like, <laughs> that's why there's this fight because right. that's why there's a war happening <laughs> like, like that's what asshole. i mean like talk about what yeah it's, it's i don't i don't get it stop doing this no i do want to play a clip from another podcast this is from the slate political gab fest and what struck me about this was that like this is the heart of mainstream opinion making like it's john dickerson and emily Bazelon and david plotz they certainly skew left they certainly, you know, they're, they're, I mean, Dickerson probably wouldn't admit that, right. but I think it's His it's role safe is to, to be more down pod- the middle, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure his family's... Right. And I want to play this clip. This is them discussing sanctions on the expat Russian oligarchs. Wait, last quick question. What do you guys think should be done about these oligarchs? Do you think that their assets should all be confiscated? Their New York apartments should be turned into Ukrainian restaurants and things like that? Yes. Or is that... I mean, I may be thoughtless, but I'm fine with all of that. Is there some due process, like how close are you to Putin? How much of your nickel fortune, your fortune from Magneti Nagorsk comes from direct access to Putin and how much isn't? Well, to the extent that we feel an obligation to due process, why don't we let that kick in when they're not bombing the crap out of Ukraine? You guys can have your due process when the person who's allowed you to have these ill-gotten gains stops being an insane person. Uh, the real question, though, what does it mean to stop being an insane person? Does that mean right. leaving which portions of I, Ukraine? I don't want to be too dramatic right. here, but like 
I got a literal chill up my spine when I heard John Dickerson of all people right. say, "You can have your due process." When like like that's a terrifying thing to say in a alleged liberal democracy that we have here, and and the idea that yeah, like what Putin is doing is a violation of the rules based order. It's a it's completely unacceptable from an international law perspective, and it should be roundly condemned. But uh, we're just going to allow the United States government to do total seizure of assets of anybody that the government presumes or or promises the rest of us are are appropriate like look are just too russian right. or too connected to the kremlin in in ways that presumably they told some judge somewhere i guess that this is what needs to be done but like what are we talking about what uh i'm curious what would due process look like in this situation how would you parse the money's gotten through illegal way i mean they seem to have just information that this person is connected to putin and they have all this money in this account or they have this yacht off this coast like what, what like i mean i'm just thinking out loud what would the due process look like in that situation like and and i can't imagine anyone would make that claim on the other side like and what and what is the legal framework for such right. a thing in what what do you mean that so he got his money illegally in Russia, and now we're going to say he's not allowed to spend it in America? On like, what are we taught? There's no legal framework for that. Right? Fucking no. Thing. I mean, do they need a legal framework? The, when I first heard about, because I have um, a few episodes behind, you 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 had sent uh, you had mentioned it in, in the chat. How do you stay behind on the political gabfest? Uh, <laughs> not to get sidetracked here, but the idea of listening to a current events news podcast well, sometimes it's nice to listen to old current a month events. later no, it's great is insane by the way i would recommend this, the fact that you yeah, can you can it's like you oh, can do that wrong. you can do that but you can't watch the olympics on That's tape delay right. those two things don't line up for me at all sports. you have to draw a line somewhere also i almost prefer watching these things a, a little bit out of the way because i'll have more information than they do and i i'm not yeah. concerned about getting it right or wrong i just want to see the the thinking behind their it's like this, that, yeah, and the other. It's like more fun. And it's like even somebody's wrong, oftentimes though the reasoning this will is be a, found. this is your brain your brain has been poisoned by Sorkin and the oh, newsroom. This is <laughs> no. you you like to go back and and newsroom the political gab fest a month I was later. Watching, it's fucked up uh, instinct. I, I'm like No, it's opposite of that. It, it, I do the same thing with uh, like this American Life podcast and also the the CBS Sunday Morning. I'm watching like something from September. Like, oh, this virus is getting yeah, out of hand. Th so a news mag a news <laughs> magazine show, right. like a, a a general interest magazine show, is a little bit right. different. No, it's dramatic irony. Right. Yeah, like it's... you know something that the the director doesn't know and that like the characters don't right. know. It's, I, I'm it's telling dramatic you. irony. It's good. You may not do it. For all occasions, I just listen to too many podcasts, so the rotation is a little uh, tough. But yeah, every once in a while, listen to like a five-week-old uh, podcast episode of somebody. Not not our show, because I'll, I'll be wrong a lot. But going back to this no-due process nonsense, this is exactly what the government does domestically, right? I mean, with the drug war, civil asset forfeiture, where it's like, oh, you're, this car is tangentially related to drug activity they don't have to prove it the, 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 they even like label the crime like the state versus like the car and not you so like your rights to like right. recover just, the funds we talked we've talked about this before the the goofy 
the the weird lawlessness of airports. Right. Where TSA is like, oh, you have seven thousand dollars there. That's mine Clearly, now. Clearly, because you, and yeah. you can pay. You can. You can pay some lawyer a big pile of money if you want to try and get it back, but uh, don't bother. Right, and and that's why I think, it, and it's bad. Right. It's bad when the TSA does it. It's bad when the shitty local cops do it and 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 steal somebody's car. And it's bad when we imagine ways in which we can steal all of the ill-gotten gains alleged of Russian oligarchs. holding the People money. People are very emotional right now, and they say dumb things when to, they're emotional. To say nothing of the fact that. How do you figure out, as you were sort of getting at earlier before I interrupted you with my outrage? <laughs> how do you figure out? How do you figure out what counts as as ill-gotten gains and what counts as right. uh, reasonably accrued gains after the fact? How do you account for the fact that half of these people who are, I don't know what they call them when they leave. I, I just call them expatriate Russians right. who they leave because they've fallen out with the Kremlin, right? right? So in the nineties, they were criminal assholes who were. Who, doing the thing in order to get all of their money and then they have a falling out with Vlad and they got to go so they put all their money in Swiss bank accounts and they move to London or they move to New York and now they're enemies of the Kremlin but those were originally ill-gotten gains right. largely by the way if you believe the reporting of people like Tybee and and plenty of others people who came to those gains in part because of help from the American government right. in the first place right what if instead of of due process you make these camps and you put all of the Russians, just like hold them in these. Right, just so we, just we figure them. out what the hell is right. going yeah. on. Yeah, so yeah just, down. Just, to, just so we figure out what's right. going it's on. It's such a stupid no Trumpian instinct to be like, oh, Russian, we're going to have to fucking gather up all the Russians and figure out what to do with them until we know what's right. happening. I, I imagine uh, the reason why they're not going after the those that have fallen out of favor even though the money is still ill-gotten, is the whole point of this, all of this, is to apply pressure economically on Putin, right? So what good would it be to do it to somebody who does, you know, like... What good is the principle if we just blithely dismiss it the no, moment no, no. that the what, rubber meets the road? What is the purpose this, of I, your actions? I know that you're not making, right. I know you're not making right. that argument, but I'm, I'm just horrified at a perfectly liberal mainstream outlet like the people who talk to millions of people on the slate political gab fest are just so quick to completely dismiss the fundamental things at the core of our system of rule of law because they're upset about what's happening a continent away and I, I i recognize fully that it's bad and it's an atrocity and it and we should do everything in our power to stop it but to dismiss the underlying civil liberties at the core of our entire fucking project sort of misses the forest for the trees right but how how would it look if Russians were afforded more due process than Americans, right? I mean, this is a shitty thing, but they're consistently shitty. The, the, the government is being consistently shitty in this sense because they just take cavalierly people's assets, right? Because of this, right? But just be, just because no, no. they do the bad thing with the right, right. hand doesn't mean no, that it's I'm okay is, for them to do it with the left hand. But but the principle is there even with the, I mean, especially with domestic people, right? So like, if you don't care, then you definitely don't care with the Russians, right? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying this is 
a consistency. But that's the thing that they do care. Like civil asset forfeiture is is a huge problem according to the pages of the magazines that all these assholes write right. for. Right. Like the only reason that I know that civil asset forfeiture forfeiture is a big problem is because of things I've read in the Washington Post and the New York Times Magazine and the Atlantic, which is where these same people who are blithely dismissing notions of due process, they, they all work for those those publications. Right. So I, I just no, don't understand. I, I think if they were to revisit this topic, uh, maybe in five weeks or whatever, uh, once they listen to their episode, they would they would probably say that due process and all of that is important, but it rates low relative to all of the other things going on. Like I'm not gonna care about emotional. All right, but we're not also stopping any fucking wars because we tied up some asshole's yacht, and and we're certainly not stopping any wars because we don't let the Russian opera singer perform that, at the Met. I mean, and that's not- ridiculous, right? I mean, that's more ridiculous, I think, than, like, maybe they, they're they overzealous in what assets they take from these people, right? Uh, that's That happens, and it's not right, but whatever. That's w- one thing. But, like, this, you must show fealty to whatever, or you must make a public statement denouncing this crazy fucker who's bombing people, like... Really, what kind of standard is that? Like you, exp- even if they were uh, not into this war, right? The, these Russian people living abroad, they're not going to necessarily just make a big statement of it because it, they have families in Russia and other concerns. It's like you're asking a lot by asking individuals. Yeah, how about Ovi scoring all those goals? Right, yeah, it's like they, they need to settle down on that, like on that front, because you're asking a lot from those people. Another clip from a radio show this from npr's morning edition this morning monday morning bob was laughing all day i spent the whole day (laughs) laughing about this i will set this up by saying that npr's layla fadel who hosts morning edition called up an expert as as you do when you work for npr you always got to talk to the experts they wanted to talk to a Ukrainian and a nuclear expert at Harvard's Belfer Center about the dangers of Russia seizing control of Ukraine's nuclear power plants. Talking to this expert, Leila Fadel wants to start by saying, is it bad that the staff of these nuclear reactors are scared and tired? And so they had to go to the expert <laughs> to find out if it's bad yeah. that the staff running the nuclear power plants are scared and tired, which uh, she does. The expert confirms <laughs> that it is bad that the people tasked with preventing nuclear meltdowns are scared and tired. Uh, but this comes about halfway through the interview, and I'll play the clip here now. Bajaran says she worries that if Putin is bested militarily, he has a terrifying card to play. Putin cannot be seen as losing to Ukraine. Mm. That would be a terrible thing for him, to be seen as losing to someone like Ukrainians, whom he looks like, uh, by all indications, it looks like he despises. In that case, and I swear I would not even contemplate something like that eight days ago, uh, but now it does not sound so inconceivable. In that case, I wonder if he might resort to use of a tactical, of a small nuclear weapon to shock Ukraine on Ukrainian territory somewhere, and the target mm. would be secondary, to shock Ukraine into surrender. Wow. Wow. When you say tactical, what does that actually mean? Like, w- how many people, what area gets affected? 
There's a range. Uh, so there are certainly, uh, you know, bombs or shells that are more powerful than Hiroshima. So, but I think Hiroshima is a good approximation. So something like Hiroshima. Oh, man. <laughs> so when you say small, you mean, I mean, in my opinion, no, that sounds big. There. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. By the way, <laughs> she went to fucking journalism school. She did at minimum four years. People are very emotional right expert now. Expert preparation so that she could become a highly paid professional in her field. And she responds <laughs> to the prospect of Vladimir Putin using a nuclear weapon the size, uh, similar to the size that was used on Hiroshima. And she says, Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> That's an honest reaction. I, 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 not to defend her, but like this expert who's on this show, you can't be that big of an expert if you are basically what you know about the situation changes eight days before, right? Basically, oh, now everything's off. She doesn't know anything. Right, that's what you're saying. So she doesn't know what Putin's thinking. She doesn't know if if Vlad is going to drop a nuclear right. bomb on somewhere. This is all made it's, up. This is a complete bullshit interview that should have never been booked in the first right. place. It's reckless speculation at best, right? Basically, it's like, boy, I thought I knew what was going on, but since I don't, let me tell you <laughs> what is going to happen. It's like, wait. You don't have a good read on things, which is fine, you know? A lot of people were surprised, but, like, don't just offer all. You know, he's got uh, he's got a safe face, and if he's got to drop a nuclear bomb on people, he'll do that. Like, that's uh, oh, shit. Oh, wow. Could I'm, uh, this is not someone who's made a study of Vladimir Putin's psychology from the time he was five years old to know whether or not he's the sort of monster who can <laughs> drop a bomb on a city like that. She doesn't know anything. It's all completely... Complete nonsense right. that she's talking about. And then Layla says, oh, man. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What is happening? I'm not a professional journalist, but that, that would have been my reaction. Like, holy shit. <laughs> really? But that's the thing. It's not, it's, it's not her actual reaction because that's why she's right. here. She's here to talk about the fact that she thinks that Putin is going to drop. Like, there's no surprises happening here. So when Lay Layla follows, like, whispering, wow. 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 Oh, man. It's all a fucking put on. Like, and I don't buy it for a you second think that, that she's it was an honest reaction? appalled. You think that this is like, all right, at this point I'm going to say, like, wow. I'm sure that she's sitting there deeply considering uh, with, with her great wells of empathy all of the lives that would be lost in the event that Putin does this thing, that this person is just pretending that she knows is a possibility that could happen. Like everybody, of course, it, you could have called me right. up and I could have given this exact <laughs> interview. This expert brought absolutely nothing to the fucking scenario. And they, uh, how many times does expert show up in, in the transcript? And the answer is three fucking right. times. Does expert show up in the transcript of this? Interview? NPR should have a, a show called Amateur Hour. Put it late at night, but basically have just regular Joe Schmoes opining on things, and then compare it to these experts. I imagine that in a lot of cases there'll be similar responses, like, "Oh yeah, that Putin's crazy. He could drop a nuclear bomb." The expert utter nonsense. Oh man. Anyway, all right. Last thing before we wrap up for tonight. Did you? You listen to occasionally the Conan O'Brien podcast, Conan Needs a Friend, yes. right? This uh, past week, 
there was an episode with uh, Mike Shore, who is famous for having written for The Office. He wrote for The Good Place and a couple other big, very popular things. He has released a book and was a guest on Conan's podcast this week. Conan is this just wildly successful podcast. His credits, the credits that he reads at the end of the show are like fucking five minutes long because he has like five different producers. He's got talent bookers. He's got, like, it's just just disgusting. He's probably it had one making, of the funniest opens of any podcast I've ever heard. It was a little silly, but the, <laughs> the, the I love Conan. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Uh, but the reason that I can't play a clip here is because it's impossible to play a clip where they succinctly, efficiently explain what it is that they're talking about because Conan has to leap into the conversation and go on a five-minute digression about nothing and and just be completely random and bizarre in his comedy stylings, which is fine. I enjoy uh, Conan's comedy stylings but it makes it impossible to play a clip about the thing that we're about to talk about right. here but mike shore writes this book and he's examining sort of ethical blind spots in himself and and attempting to write about them in in funny ways right i'm sure that it's a wonderful book and and i would i would be happy to read it at some point but the discussion that they were having i think that they miss an important thing and here's uh the way that they frame the discussion is that uh, Michael Shore was going to tip. He was at a Starbucks. He was going to put a dollar in the tip jar. And he realized he caught himself waiting for the barista to turn around so that they could make eye contact with him and then witness him putting right. the dollar in the tip jar. And upon reflection, he is saying that he is he felt a great deal of shame about the fact that an act that should have just been selfless needed to be witnessed by the person uh, whom it was going to directly benefit so that it would then be worth it. That right. somehow, if it, if it wasn't witnessed putting the dollar in the tip jar, then it almost wouldn't count for him in some way. And he was ashamed of that fact. Right. Now, let's set aside the fact that then he goes and writes a book about it. <laughs> so now we're now the ethical thing can be stepped back in such a way as to now we can only regard Michael Shore as the sort of person who recognizes how shitty he was being in the moment that he may or may not have been shitty and can openly talk about it so publicly. <laughs> oh, what a great guy, Mike Shore. So, so really, this is the book one, and then book two is him reflecting on the idea that he needed to do this big ethical questioning of his own motivations yeah, like in public of, um, in such a way. Right. The Bo Burnham thing where he comments on his commenting. Right. So, that's not why I bring it up. The point that I'm that I want to discuss is that uh, I think they miss the the big big thing that they miss in this discussion because they believe they they the 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 group sort of agrees that there's some sort of ethical failing here in needing to be witnessed putting a dollar in the tip jar. And and so first I'll put it to you, Abe. Uh, when you're visiting one of the endless establishments now that have the tip jar out front, yeah. right? Because there's just fucking tip jars everywhere. Do you feel the need to be witnessed putting a dollar in the tip jar? No, I, I, I don't. I, I do wonder how common. Because uh, I listened to that uh, full episode, and you're right, they kind of meander back and forth, uh, not 
not unlike some other podcasts, but uh, the I wouldn't we wouldn't know anything about that here. <laughs> the the feeling bad is a weird thing. Like, because in my mind, it's like there's no bad reason to do a good thing, right? So, like, if you got some sort of self satisfaction in tipping, or you were indifferent to it and you still tip, you're still tipping. It doesn't matter how you go about doing it. I and I don't know again if my way is more common than. Uh, the hey look at me I'm doing a good thing the performance of it I don't know which one is more common I don't know if there's any hard numbers out there but I try to limit the number of interactions I have during these things so like if somebody's actually looking the other way all the better I can just quickly throw in the dollar and then we don't have to have any more oh well thank you for whatever (laughs) I think I'm kind of the same way I almost don't want to be seen yeah just like one less interaction right so that's how I kind of look at it but like if you were like I want to get the positive feedback for my tip if that if that's gonna uh, promote tipping then yeah thanks a lot my good man you gave me three dollars now i can retire or whatever right like whatever it is <laughs> i just don't understand why would you feel bad about that what's wrong with but the people who are comedians are full of shame it's like yeah. their driving force in their life is just the deepest worst shame it's right. a question of it's a question of is there such a thing as genuine altruism, right? So it's can you just give the dollar without getting credit for it and still be considered do, a good person? Do you, do you think that they more so than the getting the credit, they didn't want to be lumped into a non-tipper, right? So let the record show I'm not stiffing you, right? So, so that's not what that's not what. That's not how they framed it. No, that's not how they framed it, but like sometimes people like... He seemed to be suggesting that he was wanted to be witnessed doing the tip so that they would know that he was a good person, right? right? So so that they would know that he had done the right thing. Right. I I wonder if you asked them, do you think poorly of people who don't tip? Like that, like, because is that the basis of this feeling some kind of way about it like if you don't tip you're an asshole is is that the thrust of why he wants I people think to that see that him? is what that 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 is the fundamental thing that underlines the question here is that this mike shore must believe that only bad people or, right. or inconsiderate people right don't tip right and so he doesn't want to he be, wants to be witnessed right he wants to be witnessed as not being an inconsiderate person right but but doing the right thing now where i think they're missing a large part of the point here because I am one of these people. I, I will, I will happily admit that it is important to me that the person behind the counter sees me right. doing the thing. Back when we used to go out to dinner, Bob wouldn't leave cash on the table. He, even though if we like left, <laughs> right. like, keep the change we're done we had to wait until the server <laughs> came over to take the money which is we got fine. fucking babies and toddlers right. ready to go and it's like no 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 wait okay they so, have to see that we're leaving the money right. so when it's cash that is a, a a non non-trivial portion of that is i do not feel comfortable walking out of a restaurant with a 50 or a seven like with 70 dollars on the table and like no one from the restaurant has been over to grab it yet. Like I just feel wildly uncomfortable with the idea that we're in a room full of people, any of whom can reach over and oh, just bah. snatch. You, you have no faith in your fellow uh, none, <laughs> customers. None in an empty <laughs> restaurant. Empty restaurant, my ass. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, 
Or, yeah, even in an empty restaurant, because anybody could just walk in and take the money off the table before the server makes it back. Like, that was not, I know what you're saying there, but that was not an instance of me wanting to make sure that the server knows that I was the good guy who tipped the right amount. That's not at all connected to what I'm talking about here. That was that was just that's just a case of me not feeling comfortable leaving a pile of money there. because like, I also don't like the idea, and this is now now this gets into what Abe was saying, which is I don't trust my fellow man, but yeah, like so let's say the tab's uh, forty five dollars and I leave seventy dollars there or right. something right just just as an example right. there's twenty five dollars a tip. What's stopping the busboy from pocketing ten bucks and just sticking it in his pocket and saying? And, and saying just that the fact that people don't do that. You know, people do do that. I swear to God, I've worked Bob, with them. I know them. I've been alive for what thirty nine years. That thought has never crossed my mind. I never considered the fact somebody would stoop to such levels that they would. I don't think do- that happens. In restaurants, I've actually I believe had... your shitty delivery drivers would do it. In a regular restaurant, I don't think that happens. Right. I'm just saying, I I don't like the idea that the money could sort of walk away without it getting into the right hands. And it, it I just always felt more comfortable when the server came back and we could hand them the thing and say, we're all set, thanks, have a great night. Right. And, I, and, and again, I know that the money is in the right spot. There's no bad way to do a good thing. So however you go about doing it, it's right. fine. This is a complete digression from this in, from what I'm actually saying here, which is that it's important to me that the person behind the counter sees me put the stupid dollar in the stupid tip jar right. because of the underlying social fabric there, not because it makes me feel good about not being an asshole, right? right? It's because I've been on the other side, and having been on the other side, I actually don't care. And, and because it's not the same because I didn't work in a coffee shop where the tips fucking mattered, right? right. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that, that I have this exact experience, right. but... What I'm trying to do there, when I give that person a dollar or the couple bucks that I put in the in the at the coffee shop into the tip jar, is I'm trying to let them know that I get it, yeah. right? That that it's it's because it's not like I know that ultimately it is a zero sum game, and it's just a question of how much green they can stuff into their pocket on their way out the door at the end of the shift, right? Like I recognize that ultimately it is just a purely transactional transaction, right? That that in, in, in fundamental and important ways they're only working at the stupid coffee shop because they want to get money to put in their pocket to pay their fucking bills, right? But also, my insistence that they understand that I get it, that there's something going on here. But why do you think them seeing you do that makes them think you get it? Because there's something about the fact that this, that that it's the only way that I can communicate that this is a raw deal, that (laughs) this person is working a shitty job, making a shitty wage and is reliant upon a shitty system in order to make ends meet. And, and it's a way of me saying, I can, I can ethically participate in this system, ev- even though it's a raw fucking deal all the way around, right? That if the coffee is, is $4 and I'm expected to put a dollar or two into the jar, then it's actually a $6 fucking cup of coffee, right? right? It's, not, right. it's not a $4 cup of coffee if you're not paying your people enough where you have to put out a bucket right. that says, here, put more money in here. 
And that's the only way, by the way, that they'll keep this fucking job because right. <laughs> we're only paying the minimum wage. And in order to get them above the, the minimum wage floor, they need to be able to pull $5 an hour extra out of the tip jar at the end of the night. The fact that I'm, partic that I'm a, an active participant in a system that is such an uh, ethical disaster in the first place, it's important to me that they recognize that I recognize that, that we're all in this together and that, that, that I'm a participant in the social fabric in a meaningful way. And that's all it is. It's not about the money. It's not about them right. thinking that I'm a good person. I don't care what they think about me. But what I'm hoping to do in the same way that I've always said about going to the restaurant is like, I don't want to be the person who this person had a, sh that, that I'm the reason that this person had a shitty yeah. night. Right. And if it's in my power to make sure that this person, that I'm not the reason that this person had a shitty night, then I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that that's the case. And so if that means tipping a, a relatively exorbitant amount because I can, not because I'm like, swimming in fucking right. money but because the difference between leaving uh fifteen dollars and leaving twenty dollars is less meaningful to me than it is to them right right that the the that that the the fact that i recognize that that i'm i'm showing my appreciation in the only way that actually fucking matters uh I don't know. I don't. Uh, maybe I'm making something big out of something that's actually small. You're assuming other people are like you. You're yeah, assuming maybe I that the person working at Starbucks, when that happens, you think, ah, oh, that guy gets it. Right. Like I, that's I, not what happens. He's just making the fucking coffee. Right. But I cannot, I cannot express how dehumanizing it is to go through a night as a pizza delivery driver where you just get stiffed like 15 out of 20 yeah, times. Yeah, but right? that's like, not... And it's, that sounds ridiculous. You can't express it through tipping either. But I can. Is this the only means but, of communicating that that doesn't make you seem like a completely insane person, right? Because if you go to the coffee shop and you're like, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate what it is that you're doing back there, right. and I recognize you as a fellow human yeah, being, then probably, I'm an insane, I'm an well, actual woo-woo insane person. Most people, when they're working at their stupid coffee shop job, need to be felt appreciated as a human being most right. of the but time. But what I'm saying is that it it often comes, when as somebody who would, who would, uh, deliver a million fucking pizzas in a night and you just get shit on over and over again by customer after customer <laughs> after customer it becomes it's a punishing sort of thing and it's something that's it's so easy when because at the end of a night if i've gotten stiffed a whole bunch of times and then somebody gives me a ten dollar tip like that ten dollars doesn't make up for the fact that i had a horrible fucking night right. and that instead of making 150 bucks night i'm only making 60 dollars right. like that it doesn't actually materially change the fact of the night but it absolutely changes my feeling about the night right, right? like and it, it you can't you can't capture that in a, in a stupid dollar but to me it's important that i'm as as a as a, as someone on the other side of that conversation, that I'm communicating that I get it that that that, that we're right. all in this fucking shitty si system together, and it's not about me feeling good about myself. It's about them. Hopefully, in, in the event that they're one of the weirdos like me who 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 thinks about things on this level recognizing that that here's somebody who at least recognizes uh, that there's another human being on the other end of this transaction. Right. And like I said, there's no wrong way to go about it. And you don't feel bad like this sure guy, right? And you're not going to write a book, I hope, about how you feel bad. So it's like as long as you tip, then 
I think like whether you, you the person's there seeing it or not, I guess it just depends on your preference. I for some reason I don't know, maybe there's something deficient on my end. I just don't like to see their reaction. There's a so there's a an unspoken and it's obviously different at my job where I'm getting paid a whole lot of money to just do the thing. Yeah. And then I just get another 20% on top right. just because. Right. Like, I'd rather just raise prices 20% right. and not accept tips. But, okay, this is what we're doing. When my clients are checking out, every once in a while, the receptionist, while I'm still standing there, will be like, did you want to leave gratuity? And I'm just like, oh, please wait till I'm gone yeah. to ask that. Yeah. That's awkward and terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll find out later. Right. That's... I don't need to know what they're standing there. That's weird. <laughs> and it's it's just awkward and terrible. And like I said, obviously, it's very different. Right. But... No, that, that's how I, I feel. I, like, but in that same way, like, I almost don't want them to see me put money. I don't want them to thank me more. Yeah. <laughs> just like, can we end this? That's exactly how. Just like, take my money. Just yeah. take it yeah. and give me the thing. Yeah. Right. And I'm not, and I, I, I can identify with that as well. I, I completely understand that. But there's something about that, that interaction in that particular environment where I, I, I feel. I feel strongly about the fact that it that they know that the the thing that they're doing right now for me, right? I know to 99% of the time they're not thinking about the fact that they're making a coffee for another human being, right? right. They like it's it's a way of of trying to complete the circle on the on the thing, right? Yeah. Because and I don't know. Like is it is it just another fucking iced shot in the dark with uh, one Splenda and cream. Yes, of course of course it is. It doesn't fucking matter. They're going to make a thousand of them today. But at the same time, there's, there's this... It's the same stupid speech that I gave the the crew at the pizza restaurant at every stupid meeting that I was a manager for. It's like, if we can just keep in mind, you're not going to go wrong in any customer interaction as long as you keep in mind the fact that what you're doing, the fundamental thing that we're doing is we're providing food to a fellow human being. Right. And as, as like, it, it's such a basic and, and fundamental part of what it is to be human is to interact in, in, and yeah, we have this weird transactional thing that we put on top That's of it. It's a terrible system. But, but fundamentally, we're just a couple of people exchanging fundamental human needs here. And and for whatever reason, I think that putting being witnessed putting that dollar in the stupid tip jar. Well, it's, so it's like uh, your matters. version of making their night better is showing them, look here, I care about you, here's some money. My version, I wish, is just ordering the simplest thing. Like make it easy. Blank. Yeah. Nothing, no frills. And that's why. We had a discussion yesterday. I have real trouble ordering food for other people. Okay. Like, I just want, like, cheeseburger. Yeah. And, like, that's it because we can't fuck it up. And even if you do, it's fine. But, like, when you involve children, you have to, like, cover your bases and it's terrible. And that's why I don't like ordering food. Right. <laughs> I I just don't want to do it. I want to do it online. Yeah. I never want to talk to anyone about food ever again. Right. Do you, Bob, do you, I, I asked it of, sure. Do you have, do you think of people who don't tip, like, as deficient in any way? Do you look 
you think that they're doing something wrong or just like a preference thing? Some people tip, some people don't, and whatever. It doesn't say anything about you as a person if you don't. Of course it says something okay. about you as a person. Are you <laughs> out of your point, mind? At this stage in the game, yeah. as a teenager, not so much. Yeah. Like when you're 17 and you yeah, don't no, know no, any saying, better, yeah, Fully it's functioning fine. adult. And and in our fucking 30s, pushing 40, yeah. when you know how much these people get paid right. and what their shitty life is like, right. yeah, it says a lot. Okay, because going back to the delivery days, I just, in my head, I was like, I can't be going through these nights making these moral judgments about people because there are a lot of people that don't tip, you know? And so I just... Well, yeah, and then in college, it's that fuzzy area right. where they're learning. Right. So I'm like, I'm not going to make any sort of claim about who you are as a person based on you not tipping. Maybe, you know, things are tight or you forgot. Yeah, or, or even though- yeah, then you deal with, like, people who are clearly not wealthy. Right. That's a little different. Right. It's like they chose to cut the corner here, right? I mean, they're paying for a pizza that they yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they're getting delivered still. and they're cutting on your tip. But I'm like, whatever. Some people tip, some people don't. And that's where I left it. But so you're full, yes. Uh, this is a character flaw uh, if you don't tip. I mean, this is a system that exists that everyone knows how it works. And simply choosing not to participate in it is like, it's operating in a system in bad faith. It's it's to order a pizza and not tip your delivery driver. Yeah, that's insane. Is to operate in bad faith right. in yeah. a meaningful way, right? Like the the arrangement is such that this person and I've been saying this for as long as I can remember, it's a horrible system, right? right? Like it's it's a complete it's 100% ex- exploitative of labor to pay someone and I I'll have you know they don't make minimum wage. They don't even, like right. they 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 only make minimum wage because of tipping, right? Yeah. And if and in theory the restaurant is supposed to get them up above minimum wage if they don't make enough tips to get them there, but that's not always something Doesn't that happens. Happen. And I'm not like when you say do do I think less of a person? Be, like no, I don't actually think less of a person. I'm not I'm not casting moral judgment okay. in a I way. I think less of a person. Yeah, but at the same <laughs> time, it's just completely unacceptable to go to a restaurant and not tip or tip 10% because you didn't like the service. Like, I'm sorry, that's just not... Don't go back to the restaurant if you didn't like the service. Punish the... the yeah, the owner. The owner or the franchisee or whatever if it turns out that you got bad service at a restaurant. And yeah, sometimes you have a bad server, but like... That's just fucking life, right? right? Like that's just the 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 system is set up in such a way that you have to tip that person according to the the structures of the society. Sometimes the movie's bad, like right. Sometimes the movie that you you don't like things. Right. No, that's true. You don't. You don't think that somebody you go out to dinner with somebody can't go on record here. (laughs) The I I I hang around people that uh, their 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 takes on tipping is not in keeping with how I view it. So I'm just like whatever. That everybody just do whatever you want. I, I stopped like. I'm not saying that you need to condemn certain people because they don't tip, but like that person is not operating in good faith. They're not going about the world in a way that respects the fact that like we live in a fucking society, right? right? Yeah. Like <laughs> we all agree that the system sucks, right. but the the system is what it is, and until it changes, you have to tip. Right. Not a convincing argument, I guess, but for them. Uh, but but yeah, it, it's just like in my head, I'm like, fuck it. People are weird sometimes. Well, I mean, 
thinking less of someone and not associating with someone are not the same thing. Right. No, that's true. Like, yeah. You can think less of your best friends. Right. Like that they're still your best friends. <laughs> yeah, that, whatever. Yeah. But you can still think like that's that is a I shitty guess, thing. I, I think the reason why I always hesitate is because like, what if I never uh, got an application to work at Domino's when I was exactly. in the tenth grade and I was in what that service know? industry? Right. It's like, would yes. I be the same as people who have not been in the service well, industry? But you might be because if you'd never been told by anyone, like right. this is our, this is what we do. Right. And also, you never experienced being on the other side of like, oh, that's why that's done. Right. Like when for years, I thought a tip was three dollars. Like it, because my mom would order pizza and it would cost a certain amount, and a twenty fifteen to twenty percent tip because we ordered the same thing all the time was three dollars. Gotcha. And like everything was three dollars. <laughs> so for years, I thought it was three dollars. Like with a fixed number, like three dollars. It's just what it is. Yeah. You give the shampoo girl three dollars. Right. <laughs> like it's three dollars, and. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. So I'm sure I screwed that up for, like, as a teenager, right. for some pizza or something, I probably screwed it up. Right. It's like a learned thing. Sure. Or a lived thing. There's just, there's, there's no excuse. There's no excuse in, in today's, you, if you are not tipping, you are choosing not to tip. You're not doing it because you're unaware. Like, there's a very vanishing percentage of people who just, who honestly don't know what you're supposed to do. Right. Although it's they probably just, have a clue, right? <laughs> like, not, I wish my like my the ones that I wish wouldn't tip me are the teachers. Like I know they make no money. Right. Like stop giving me more <laughs> money. I feel gross about it. You're paying enough. Right. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. You find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to uh, brainiron.com is the website. Also, send an email to uh, brainironpodcast at gmail.com. Opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Abe. Yes. What'd you watch this week? I went to go see The Batman in Dolby last week. What a Emo movie. Emo Batman. A very good that movie. That was a good? Yeah. It's three hours, which is a bit on the long side, but uh, mm. it goes by pretty fast. Very good movie, I think. Uh, it's up there with the. Not like Dark Knight, the second one from the Nolan films. Maybe not oh, at wow. there, but like around there. Very Nothing's good. as good as that. So I thought it was very good. Uh, and uh, I, on the TV front, I saw the very first episode of um, Winning Time is uh, the Lakers. You know, I guess Michael Jordan had his propaganda thing, and now I guess the Lakers want to do something too. The HBO. The same guy who did the big short? Yes. So, that and that was yes. going to be my point. I mean, it's only been one episode, but I can already tell that for some reason, Adam McKay, who's the person behind us, who did That's the big him. short, he did the Don't, Don't Look Up and all of this stuff. He loves the breaking of the fourth wall thing. Yes. Which can work, but I'm thinking like, this is not a movie. This is a series. Every episode, and it's not just like the main character, everybody's looking at the camera. Like in this one hour first episode, every like person's like, oh, some snide comment That's or whatever. That's how you should be in a movie. What? No, <laughs> it can be too much. And it, it I feels love like it. it's going to be overkill. If, if, if it's going to be at the same pace as the first episode, maybe it's just the pilot just for exposition and explaining things or whatever, it's fine. But man, 
you can't do this every episode. It's way too Also, much. I'm not saying you can't mine interesting drama out of, like, small arenas of, of interest. Yeah. But this seems like a very, very small area of content to try to mine a whole the rise of the, like the Lakers around. dynasty. Yeah, who gives a shit about the Lakers in the eighties? Like it's fun. Like I, I know basketball people do, but I, I, I certainly to me I don't particularly care. It seems like it's just like an excuse to do like a eighties coke and sex thing because it seems like it's heading in that direction. I mean, it's already in that direction now where. It's just oh, it's on HBO. Let's just show a bunch of boobs and somebody's doing coke and weird clothing yeah. from the eighties, right? It seems like it's going to be that kind of that kind of show. Um, and I'm almost sure half of the stuff are just made up. Like oh, the Lakers maybe don't want to draft this guy, even though like if you look at the history, it's like he was like a surefire can't miss. If you have this guy, uh, if you have the first selection, you're going to pick him, right? But they have all these weird little will they won't they pick them nonsense just to yeah. fill out an hour's episode but uh yeah i'm just saying mckay ease up on the stupid uh, it doesn't thing. it doesn't help that i've like i never liked the lakers yeah. so like the idea of watching a whole tv show about the fucking lakers is just annoying to me right but we watched or i watched Lori sort of watched the oscar nominated uh, netflix film the power of the dog ooh. Starring uh, uh, Bendy Lick, Cindersnatch, or uh, something like that. <laughs> Close enough. Whatever his name is. The Doctor Strange guy, right? And the, guy with, uh, from, and the kid from Breaking Bad, Kyle. Jesse Plemons is who you're talking Friday about. Friday Night Lights, yeah. and he was... Uh, what was his name his on name Breaking Bad? Kyle. Todd. His name Todd. was Todd. Todd, yeah. Todd. Anyway, he was good. The, it was a movie. The movie was fine. I don't understand. Did you watch it? No, I... I listen to the Terry Gross interview with uh, Cumberbatch, but it seems Probably like better. he's like a bully and he's like gay or something. I don't know. Like that's all I guess. Yeah, it about sums it up. Yeah, yeah it's a it's as, no South Park, it. as South Park put it way back in 1998. It's one of those gay cow- gay cowboys <laughs> eating pudding movies, uh, and it's like it didn't really work for me and I'm not entirely sure why. Like it's a very serious movie and it wants to be taken seriously and it wants to be great. But I don't think it's actually very good, and it's largely a function of the fact that I don't. I mean, in, in part, I don't buy the lead performance by uh, Cinder Snatch. <laughs> I think he's he's good, but he's not. Like it's not enough. A character is not just having a very stiff upper back and taking the stairs three at a time. Right. Like, <laughs> like he does, and it's. Like it's a good performance, and ultimately, it's a movie that I didn't like all the way through. And then the ending happened, and the ending is a bit of a twist, and it takes you a minute to figure out exactly what happened. And then it, it's not one of these things where you're like, ultimately, you're not sure of what happened, and it's not particularly ambiguous, but the way that it's done is it takes the audience a minute to catch up to the thing that just happened. In part because so much of the movie has been built up where the tragedy that you're expecting to happen in the end, where it's this closeted, angry, like like deeply repressed, maybe doesn't even realize the depth of his own repression. Is, typical, is, typical dude. Is the character. And... 
and then it ends not with that particular pot boiling over, but but sort of an inverse thing happening. And I don't want to spoil it. If anybody wants to go out there and watch it, don't want to ruin it for you. But it takes a minute for the audience to catch up. And it's it's almost like it's using that as a cover for thinking that it's actually a good movie. Okay. Right. So like uh so it's a very it's a very clever way to end the movie that wasn't actually that good but because it gives you that sort of that pause and it makes you reconsider everything that you've seen before you think oh well maybe something actually interesting was happening all along and i i don't think that's particularly the case it doesn't help that uh i don't particularly buy kirsten dunst in almost anything she's ever been in. oh I not a big partic- i'm not a fan of kirsten dunst even uh, the original spider-man has- no, he is a fan of her boobs. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, but she's not, I don't think she's particularly great, and she's not particularly great in this. Is uh, she asked to be? Best- like She's like the wife of the Plebins guy, right? Or she marries him? Right, she plays Todd's wife, and she's a widow. She's the mother of the second lead, which is the young boy who who the gay cowboy is is angry about and or trying to corrupt. He's sort of like a gay kid. He's right. I, I saw he's him. He's not a. He's not a. Not a cowboy. Right. Type. Not like right. a he's macho a kind of he's, whatever. He's an artsy. Right. He's artsy a type. Skinny, effeminate weirdo type who wants to be a surgeon someday. And yeah, it was. It was fine. I just didn't think that it was by any means great. And it will be weird to me if it wins. It a, won't. A bunch of. It's awards. the kind of movie that you watch and you say like, why? What? What do you want from me? What? Why did we do that? It's kind of a. Yeah. Down you year had for... all this money, and this is what you did? Right. This seems like it's kind of a down year for the... I don't even know what is the front runner for... The, I don't know if the Power of the Dog... Is it, had they been nominated? This is one of them. The, okay. it, it got nominated for like tw- in 12 categories or something like that. Like This this will be one of the top winners at this year's Oscars, and I don't know why. They'll probably the get... music was great. Yeah. Johnny Greenwood's score fantastic the scenery is nice we could have watched a nature documentary it didn't look like montana though because it wasn't it was in fact new zealand and it, oh wow it, it like it screamed at me that it wasn't montana and i wasn't even sure why that it wasn't montana but i looked at it and i Mountains said that is short. definitely not montana yeah. and it turns out it was new wow. zealand but anyway i don't know that i recommend it uh, necessarily but I'm interested by the phenomenon of it being received so warmly, despite like it's like like a 96 percent on oh. Rotten Tomatoes or something, and it's not a particularly good movie. I think it speaks to the fucking poverty of the serious film world at this point that a movie like this can be considered one of the best movies of the year. Like this is a this is a very inconsequential movie on the long term, but for some reason has a dozen Oscar nominations this year. What else did we watch? Only I watched, Connect. That's all we watched. I watched we started the, watching that other movie, but we haven't finished it. Watched the first hour or so of Guillermo del Toro's uh, Nightmare Alley, and so far I'm very much enjoying that. That's a way better movie than uh, than Power It gets of the a little dog. clumsy at the end, that Nightmare Alley, but I'm sure it's better than the... Oh, goddammit. <laughs> why you gotta, we'll why see, you gotta we'll say see. that? We'll see. We'll watch it this week. Also, Only Connect, great British game show. Everyone should watch it the end <laughs> yeah we're still watching the fucking staircase yeah. <laughs> have you guys come off so. the stupid bird theory we just don't have time 
It was definitely the owl. <laughs> Abe, you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. Oh, all of the CBS News, and I assume all the other ones, all they do is honk their podcast version of their shows at all times. You don't catch yeah, that? Like it's, it's Oh, you know you can listen to... You know, CBS this morning. They never, have I, been advertising this for a while. I haven't had reason to go search it out, I think okay. was the thing. And so it, it never quite clicked. Do they add to yeah, it or just literally the audio version of, like, they don't dress it up. They don't have chapters. They don't have any. No, they, like, Major Garrett comes in in the commercial break and tries to sell you, like, a, like a, a box of prepper supplies, which is very strange. Wait, what? Like, They're so doing, like, reads? Yeah, so <laughs> so it, it's a it's a fit, they take face the nation face the nation the podcast form. So you listen to like twenty minutes of Anthony Blinken talking about how the world's going to end, and and two other and the CBS News foreign correspondents talking about how everything sucks, and then it's like, hello, face the nation podcast listeners, this is CBS's Major Garrett, and I've got a deal for you. Head on over to prepperapocalypse.com and put major in as your coupon code and you can get a prepper box for just fifty nine ninety nine. It's very strange. Yeah, you can't also deliver bad news and then transition into <laughs> all that stuff I talked about earlier, huh? Get ready. Anyway, that's not what this is about. Too busy to hate, like uh, the New South, like Atlanta. Maybe like, ah, I'm too busy to <laughs> mutilate this reporter because I hate all these other people that I would sooner kill. If we could just slow down and drink a sweet tea for a moment, we'd be able to rekindle our racial hatred that just boils below the surface at all times. Unfortunately, we just don't have the time to hate. Boobs. Wow. Wow.